those songs all right eight of you that's awesome that's awesome that song was written right around probably the time isabel was born so <laughs> sometime in the 1400s not sure <laughs> jerry <laughs> look out lionel she's coming to get you god bless you good morning good morning good morning it is wonderful that, uh, good morning all right, it is interactive. This isn't a spectator sport, folks. We're going to have some fun today. God has done some great things, and we're going to hear about them today. Uh, this week is Holy Week. Welcome to Palm Sunday. This is a, it's a bittersweet, because I know we celebrate Palm Sunday, and then it's just sad just how fast they turned on Jesus. It's just amazing. But I guess we can all do that, right? We've all asked Jesus something, or we, we've all been in that situation of Palm Sunday where one day... We just love you, God. We're so thankful. And then we turn from him and do something we probably shouldn't or thought something we shouldn't have thought. So I guess I can't blame all those people shouting when he entered into the city. But at the same time, it's a little bittersweet knowing that Good Friday is coming. But then the best news of all is Sunday is coming. Amen? Amen. And Sunday, our Easter services are, I think, up there. Bum, ba da yeah, there we go. And if we're online, we have the screen right to the left. So I always like to go like this. Okay, so they can see it. But uh, Easter is a great week for us this week. We have Wednesday night Bible study at 6 to 7.30. Uh, Thrive, that is actually, um, I'm looking at some new curriculum. We're going to start something called Experience God in a few weeks after Easter. And I'm excited about that. And I hope you'll come 6 o'clock till 7.30. And it's a great, great group. You're missing out if you don't come Wednesday night. We really, really have just intimate time. Sometimes we don't even get to... Uh, the study, it's just all discussionary, and we have such a great time, and uh, praying, well, sometimes it's, we're just praying for each other, or doing an altar call, I mean, we've had it all on Wednesday nights, and we encourage you to come, and so uh, that's on Wednesday, then Good Friday, we will actually be doing a church service, it's not an open communion, it's not an open house like we've done in the past, it is a Good Friday service, it is a time to reflect on on what happened to Jesus, his physical body, on Friday as he, as he uh, died. And it, it's how it happened and what effect. It's not just about, like, watching the Passion of the Christ or something like that. Easter this year for me, and, and it leads to what we're doing on Sunday, it's personal. 
Easter is personal. Easter isn't just about a holiday where you get dressed up and you, then you get to a great brunch after church. It's, it's a personal holiday. Probably more personal than any other holiday, I guess, other than your own birthday. I can't think of anything other more personal than Easter. And this year, we have, so we have our Good Friday service. That'll be from 6 to 7. We will sing some songs. We will... Um, we will have uh, a time of reflection and really look at the crucifixion and what led up to Jesus' death. And then on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we have our sunrise service up at the top of Mount Zion Road. That's at 6.30 a.m. You know, we always do 6.30. The sunrise varies about, what, 20 minutes? It varies each year. It seems like sometimes it's 6.20, sometimes it's 6.40. It just seems every year it's a little different. We're just hoping no snow. Are we done with the snow? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if we're finished with the snow, but I know I'm done with it. Okay, so I don't know. But we will have a big bonfire up there, and uh, uh, Steve Bird will be giving a devotion, and we'll have a couple of worship songs. And then we come down immediately after when we have breakfast um, downstairs right after the sunrise service and we just hang around fellowship some people go and change into their church clothes uh I, it's up to you but we have breakfast right after and then sunday service of course at ten fifteen, which we will have um, some personal testimonies and we're going to talk about a personal easter this year and then the following uh Gosh, the next then the following week is a little crazy. Hold on to your hats. This is great stuff God has called us to. Listen, I, I've led my ministry for almost, uh, I don't know, 30, 25, 30, it doesn't matter. I, I just know this. I've walked through every door that God's opened. I, I don't know. I, you know, they talk about calling and God's will. and All, all I know is God opens up a door, and I want to walk through it. And so our week is getting a little crazy. We will have, we will have our Wednesday night again after Easter our Wednesday night thrive, and then we will have Thursday, our prayer night, the summit, if, unless we get snow again, unless it gets snowed in, but hopefully not, but Thursday on April 13th from 6 to 7, it's an hour of prayer, we pray for each other, we pray for our community, we pray for our, and it's a great time of just intimacy with God, and that is on the 13th, that's in your bulletin there, then on the next day, Friday, April 14th, we've been given another opportunity to bless Pioneer Elementary School. As many of you know, we were able to supply 75 pairs of pants to the kids who could not ha afford an extra pair when it was all snowy and rainy up there. So the kindergarten through second grade all got a, a pair of pants from us, and we love blessing these two elementary schools. And Pioneer Elementary is having their, um, what is it called, their family dance night, right? And so they've asked if we could, actually all they do is ask to borrow the stuff usually. And they want to borrow our snow cone and machine and popcorn and all that kind of stuff, cotton candy. And um, I love doing this, say, no, 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 we'll take care of it. We'll bring the supplies, we'll bring the people, and we'll run it. And we wear our Mount Zion t-shirt. we got to get a sign-up sheet for t new t-shirts, too. And we wear our Mount Zion Church t-shirts, and uh, we're able to hand out information if they want some about our church. Listen, folks, we are almost to the point now, we've finished the house. Okay, my house is almost... By the way, I'll talk to you about that. Steve had another oh-no moment. It's not, it's not that bad. Not that bad. 
<laughs> but we got the kitchen floor remodeled. It's, that's the last big thing that was done at the house. That's, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Two days before the storm. But anyway, we got it all done. Now, then the bo- downstairs heaters are brand new. Those are taken care of. Upstairs, we have a couple of heater problems, but Pastor Jimmy thinks we might know the problem of that, and hopefully it's a small one. And then the next stage after Easter is we are rebuilding and relaunching our children's ministry, and that includes a playground. That's our vision. I hope we have money left over for it, but we have got to get a playground out here, and we have got to, we're going to knock out a couple walls, enlarge the nursery, and create a children's church room by knocking out walls on the other side. So that is our next step, and so we are moving forward. Also, I've been talking to some people that are interested in buying the property uh, right up here with that 120-year-old house that I'm afraid to walk into, and uh, they're interested in, in making a cash offer, but we've got some property details to take care of before we can do that, and we're in the middle of Easter, but other than that, it's just a great day to be in church, amen? So why don't you stand to your feet and greet one another and meet one another, or, okay, meet one another, then greet one another. Why do we call it meet and greet anyway? And then I want to welcome you online this morning. I'm so thankful that you decided to worship with us this morning. I know some of you couldn't get here, and some of you just live too far away. So I just want you to know that we love you. We care about you. And somebody made a, a great suggestion that really, um, I, I pray you take the time, whether it's in the comments or you contact us, we'd really appreciate to hear what God's doing in your life. Or, or how this ministry has blessed you. Or maybe it's a, a prayer need and, and you're going through something. You can privately message us or you can contact, through, contact us through email at our church website at mtzchurch.org. We really want to hear from you. We want to hear praise reports and testimonies and requests. You are part of our church. And so we want to get to know you a little bit better and know how we can serve you better. So God bless you this morning for watching. God bless you, Robert and Linda. We're praying for you too. And we look forward to seeing you when you come out. And uh, Kelly, we're praying for you and Lori as well. And so many others that I know are watching online this morning. We just thank you and we do consider you our family. So God bless you and enjoy the rest of the service. We have a great testimony from Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Anna about what God has done through their sabbatical. And maybe that's why you haven't seen them and now they're back. They've taken some time with their family and you're going to hear all about it today. I hope you stay with it. There's some great video they're going to show too of their kids. So God bless you and thank you again.
Well, thank you so much for paying such close attention to the countdown. I appreciate it every Sunday. Both of you. Red, I like the shoes. <laughs> hey, Lionel, was that, was that for the offering or was that for... Which one did I have you, prayer after worship or offering? We run a really tight ship here. Oh, I'm doing offer. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good to know what we're doing. God bless you. Hey, a couple of uh, things. Uh, you know, please continue to obey God in what you do. We were talking Wednesday night about how when the church first started, I, I'm, 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 there are some traditions I'm, traditions I'm glad we don't adhere to in the Bible, and that would be when the first church everybody. So this would be the pitch. You ask Jesus in your heart. You surrender your life to God. You've repented of your sins. You've come to the altar. You've received him. And then you have to give up all your possessions and everything you have and give it to the church. <laughs> so don't do that today. Okay. No, I remember I was a youth pastor and we were at a conference and oh my gosh, I'll never forget the speaker gave up the, the, the biggest guilt trip I ever saw in giving in my life. And he would say, if you can go without a meal, you don't need to have McDonald's today. You know, whatever you have, don't worry. Some of you kids I know got my, I want you to give everything you have that you have at this conference into the offering. And, uh, oh, I was, I was trying to stop my kids because parents gave that money. Here's the thing, designated funds, right? Designated. Those were designated for their lunch on the way home. It's, oh, Debbie had to run to the store real quick, right? Yeah, Debbie, I'll never forget. Debbie goes, we're going to have to buy lunch for 30 kids. <laughs> I said, yeah, we are because our kids just gave it all up. And I, so the next year we went, I remember telling them, listen, it isn't about what somebody tells you to give. It's about what God tells you to give. And you got to, but here's the thing. A lot of times we don't include them. Even those who are faithful tithers, they just go, well, the Bible says 10%. And they write a check. God bless you. That's a great floor. It's a great place to start. But in reality, it should be, dear God, how would you have me give? How would you have me give? And let me step out in faith. And if you want to know how you're doing and giving, just check your calendar, check your, your, uh, check your checkbook, and you'll see where your priorities are. And that's all that God is asking you to do, is what are your priorities? So that's, that's, it should be joyful when you give. It shouldn't be pushed upon you. You shouldn't feel you make guilty. It shouldn't be a scripture taken out of context and throw down your throat. It should be just something, I get to give today. I'm excited. I'm, I, Virgie and I were working on something this week, and she was so excited when she talks about giving. She just loves to give, and I, that's how it should feel every time you do give to God in his church. I really do. Now, I, I know we depend on the God as well at this church to keep these lights on. We do, and we believe God uses his people for us to be able to do that, but we also have to rely on wisdom and being good stewards, and I pray that for you and your family as well, that you pray and you ask God, help me be good with my finances. Help me be good steward with what you've given me. I want to manage your stuff well, God. That's all it is. That's all it is. So Father, we thank you and rejoice today that we can give, that we can give with our hearts, we can give with our wallets, but really the important thing is, God, that we give joyfully unto you and that we trust you in this area of our lives. Thank you for letting us manage all your stuff, God. 
It's amazing what you trust us with when you own it all. The Psalms say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So God, you've, you've designated us to take care of those resources. Give our church and staff and board wisdom in being good stewards. And bless those today that are really stepping out in faith, God, and show up in a mighty way. And for those that give regularly online, Father, be their provision. Be there, be there for them in ways they never imagined as they give to you, God. We thank you for this opportunity and praise you in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. Hey, this morning we uh, offer up an opportunity for prayer. Go ahead and as you can see the offerings. When we do our worship, we have some people here that will pray for you. James chapter 5 talks about coming before the leadership of the church and letting them anoint you and pray for you and believe in the prayer of faith that you will be healed. We want to be there for you today and we want to be there for each other. Wednesday night we talked about if you feel during this time of worship, you want to come to the altars, come to the altars. You want to walk around, you walk around. God calls you to walk over to somebody and ask them if you can pray with them. And they say yes, then pray with them. And, and just take this opportunity to be in God's presence. I mean, together. It says when in Acts chapter 2, which is what we were studying uh, last Sunday, we talked about we gathered and they gathered in one accord. They were in agreement. They were together. And the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind. This morning, I encourage us to be in one accord. That God is our healer, our provider. And sometimes we need more than anything is comfort. And this morning, as you enter in, some of you know Darla here. Last week, she lost her husband, John. John Turner, who attended here regularly. Who died from complications due to a fall. Sometimes worship is about intercession, so is prayer. We just say, God, we pray for those that are hurting right now. Father, we just bring comfort to Darla and her family with all the details and things that have to be done. We pray for John's family, all that are around us. We just, we just pray your comfort. It says that you draw near to those that are in mourning. So God, as we go into worship, I am so
Heavenly Father, we come to you. We want to thank you for being able to worship you and serve you the way we do, Lord Jesus. And we're coming up on this resurrection that we are celebrating of you for dying for our sins and loving us through everything that we let go and let you take care of, Lord. We want to thank you for this service and the rest of this day, Lord Jesus, and be with Pastor Anna and Jimmy, and Lord, and we want to thank you for the pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you, guys, for letting me hear your voices. It always, always blesses. I'm sure it blesses God because it blesses me. I love hearing you guys sing. Don't forget also today, right after service, whether you brought something or not, whether you brought anything or not, it's Sandwich Sunday downstairs because here at Mount Zion, if we don't eat, that's right. So we love to have you. Even if you don't worry about it, just come on down. That's why my wife, I think, ran and grabbed a few extra soups. And I, I know she's got some great lemon bars down there. I know that's not really. I know. I love lemon bars. I know. I know. But I did notice one of them missing this morning. And I, I, I want to blame my wife, but I just don't know what happened. <laughs> hey, while you guys go ahead and pass out the communion elements, I want to talk about something we haven't done in a long time, and we're talking about the next time. Okay, communion, I got it mine up here. I got the next time. Let me read out of Luke chapter 22. Verse 19, it says, He took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. So today I want to look at the next time. So we know that they met up in the upper room. They had their last supper. They were doing all that stuff up there. And they were going, and Jesus was going to the garden after this and praying, you know, all that stuff, the story. But there was a next time that Jesus broke bread. It was the day of his resurrection. Two of his followers were on the road to Amasis, and they were discouraged and confused. I mean, think about it. Their hope was gone. The Bible says their faces were downcast. In other words, <laughs> how many can relate to this? God didn't work it out the way I thought he was going to. <laughs> and that's basically why they were upset. Jesus comes to them, but he doesn't reveal himself to them. And he says to them, Jesus walks up and says, Don't you know? And Jesus began going through all the scriptures, the Old Testament, all the things about how he was the Messiah and the Savior of the world. The men convinced Jesus to stay and have a meal with them. Wouldn't you love to do that? Walking with Jesus. Hey, come on. Come to the house for dinner. Come on. Come to pot Sandwich Sunday. You don't have to bring anything. Well, Jesus doesn't have to. Never mind. That's a whole other story. Luke 24 then goes on to say, When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, cake, thanks. Now, this is the two guys right after his resurrection that he runs into on the road. They invite him in. Oh, please invite Jesus in today. He invite, invite him in. And he takes the bread, gives thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? It's amazing what Jesus can reveal if we ask him to do it. And that's what he did. They listened to him. And then their hearts were burning, and it was revealed to him who he was, revealed to them who he was. 
Some of us need a, a fresh, freshness of that, of who God really is. Maybe that's the reason I like Easter and Christmas is because it just reminds me of who Jesus is. As a preacher, it's always tough to come up with sermons for Christmas and Easter. I tell this every year because I complain about it every year. It's so hard because it's not like on Good Friday, I'm going to say, and he died on the cross and they put him in the tomb. Come back Sunday and find out what happens. It's, it's the same story every year. And that's why this year we're talking about it being personal. Think of how personal it was for these two guys. Personal, Jesus having a meal. And he revealed himself to him. Father, this morning I take the bread and I hold it up to you and I say, God, make it personal with me. As we break this bread, as we break the bread together in fellowship, in one accord, oh God, reveal yourself to us in ways we never could have expected or imagined. We thank you for what this represents, your broken body that was broken for us. And it says in your word, by your stripes we are healed. It's because of you, God. And we give thanks for it, and we take it in remembrance. Go ahead and eat of the bread. Thank you, Father. Then there's this cup. In Luke 22, verse 20, it says, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of a new covenant in my blood. The old covenant was the Old Testament, the animal sacrifices that were done. Kind of the temporary solution to a permanent problem. And so it says this is the new covenant of my, in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now we know that happened in the upper room. We hear this all the time. And then next time, though, Jesus speaks of the cup was on the night that he was arrested. He's praying on the Mount of Olives. He says, Father, if you're willing, if you're willing, take this cup for me. Man. I mean, I just, I, I find it amazing that Jesus is like stressing out over this thing, man. So much that his blood is, is pouring out. He knows what he's going to have to go through. He says, God, this cup, take it from me. This cup would I bear. And But he says, yet not my will but yours be done. Sometimes God does things for our own good, and we don't like it. And whenever you feel that torture, you've got to remember Romans 8, 28. You've got to remember things that tell us rejoice in the Lord always, that he works all things out together for good. We have to put our hope in this, because even Jesus asked his Father, if there's another way, but not my will, but yours be done. And then he talks of the cup Again, after he's arrested, John, in John chapter 8, verse 10, um, when he's being arrested, remember, Peter grabs the sword, drew it, stuck the right priest servant, cutting off his right ear. And Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? It's the same thing he's talking about. The cup means this burden that I take on. Jesus says his burden is light. And that we're to place those things, the cup in which you bear. He puts a lot of emphasis on it. We need to commit that we will drink from the same cup the Father has given us. That it's no longer our will, but it's Christ that lives in us. It's his will. So we do this in remembrance. 
And we need, that's why he says, be crucified with Christ. It's almost a partnership in this. It's symbolically in, as we take communion together. This is the cup we hold. We hold the same cup. We, except we're not sinless, and Jesus is. He took our cup of sin, poured it out. Far east is from the west. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for us in our place. We deserve it. We're sinners. That's, we deserve the cup to bear of our own. But Jesus takes it from us. By his blood, we are saved. It's a, a sufficient sacrifice. So God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that he bore the cup, that he did your will. Help us to do the same. Let it be your will, not ours, be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take up the cup. So, Father, as we continue in service, we ask you to open us up, to hear intimately from you, and to bless us with the words that are going to be spoken today. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. God bless you this morning. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. As many of you know, and maybe some of you don't know, right now the average time a pastor serves is three to five years in a church. Somebody told me earlier this week that rural churches, it's even harder because we don't have a full staff. We don't have secretaries and people that take care of everything, but we still have to do the same job as the bigger church. I've been in ministry a long time, but I can tell you there are seasons in my life where I wish I could just take a break. And especially when you're, you're young and you're starting your family, you've bought your first house and you start having babies, and your whole world turns upside down. Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Anna, during that time, studying for their ministry license, having babies. Jimmy's been moving up in the, in the, corp, you know, in the company and doing different things. He, he was cooking one day, cooking for all the people. Remember when we had the big, uh, what was it called, the butte fire? And Jimmy was out there cooking, and next thing you know, he's doing plumbing. Pastor Anna, you were working at a preschool. And then you started having babies, like rabbits just multiplying you said, I want the church to be bigger. And you and Jimmy took care of that. <laughs> but then she's a stay-at-home mom, and, and she didn't have, I, I don't want to share personally, but she didn't have the easiest of pregnancies or, or births. And, then, and, and so they go from that where she was working at the preschool, and, and now she's got four boys, and she's running, running her own business. And, uh, and, and Jimmy's always working hard, and they're always here. And there's a lot of things they do behind the scenes. And I just felt it was a season in which, let me tell you something, no matter what happens in this room, people are always more important than the ministry. Always. It goes, God, family, church. And I just wanted them to build that foundation with their family. So they took this season, it was a wrestling season, and just took this time of sabbatical to build that foundation, letting their kids know, listen, you're more important than church, but not more important than God. And we have to never forsake the gathering of the like-minded. But there's a balance in that priority, and there's a way to do it. And if we don't do it right, we won't have kids in our churches or teenagers in our churches. We'll have people burned out. We'll have ministers that want to quit. 
Many of you know it's, that's what happens. It just, if you don't have a firm, let me just tell you this right now. There, there are uh, three really good reasons I've been here uh, 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 11 years today. Today, yeah, today, yeah. And there's three good reasons. Number one, God. And number two, my wife. And number three, those two sitting there. Because it is hard. And I love it. I love every minute of it. In fact, I've been more passionate about this church than I have the whole time I've been here. And you guys have a lot to do with it. I know you missed being at church, but you have no idea how much I missed you. <laughs> so let's welcome up Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Anna. Either you have to walk faster or they have to clap longer. <laughs> oh, sorry, you want what? Hello. Good morning. Okay. We got this. Oh, you got the slide thing? Yep. I'm good. Cool. I'm blue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He's up there. It's a, yeah. It's a little different when you're doing it together versus... But I color coordinated it, so... Yeah, on. that's why I asked her. <laughs> I said, am I blue? So good morning, everybody. It's really good uh, to be back. Um, I'm excited about today. Um, feeling a little, uh, but uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I want to share with you guys, for those of you that don't know, um, kind of what our, our life has been like um, the last couple months. Um, we've been doing this kind of wrestling thing, you know. And uh, before we start the message, I just want to, uh, we kind of just want to show you what does a wrestling match look like. So uh, we got a couple of the boys. I'm sorry for all of my yelling. <laughs> John. That you hear Anna's the one yelling in the background, and uh, I, every time I watch it, I get like just the proud. John's only 46 pounds, but man, he knows how to use it. And she's and she's yelling, "Be heavy!" Come on! Yeah. 
James. videos don't do it justice about how loud it is in that room so she's yelling right but in reality James or John probably could just barely hear her because you, you got to figure you got eight mats going at least and you got parents screaming it's it's quite exciting it nerve-wracking for the kids a little bit I would say I you have to it. learn how to focus because you got a guy in front of you trying to kill you and and then you got people yelling things, you know, coaches, I'm trying to coach the kids. And then you got parents get emotional and sometimes they're just like Rah! just lately. So it's exciting. Um so today it's not going to be just solely about wrestling and what we've been doing with wrestling. Uh we want to take a look at the story of Joseph and some of the key moments in his life. So Joseph has major ups and major downs in his life, just like we all do in our life. So we both felt like it was fitting because not only did Joseph have the ups and downs, it is how he responded to those storms in his life that is really the key part of this message. So the story of Joseph is really relatable because, like I said, we all go through the season of we're on top of the mountain doing great and all of a sudden you're being thrown down that mountain to the lowest of lows in your life. Um so a little backstory on Joseph. He is one of Jacob's 12 sons. There was 12 of them. I have four, so I don't even want to know what 12 is like. It would be wild. Um he was without a doubt the favorite of the brothers. Um so that made it to where he was completely hated by his brothers because he was the favorite. And going through all that, he was just 17 at the time of this story that we're going to read. Uh we're going to spend most of our time today in Genesis. Uh starting in Genesis chapter 37 verses 3 through 4. Now Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him when his brothers saw that their f- father loved him more than any of them they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him so this is like that first part in the story i would say where jo- joseph is kind of like on top right he's He's having a good time. His dad just made him this really nice robe. Um, it was colorful. It was long sleeve too, which is kind of important. You didn't wear a long sleeve robe if you intended it to work. So his dad was kind of implying like 
with the colors and long sleeves is definitely the favorite. Now, soon after, Joseph starts having these dreams, which I would have kept to myself, but he decided to share with the family, okay? And both dreams, um, there's two different ones, and both dreams, uh, his brothers were bowing down to him. This really made the brothers mad. It to the point they wanted to kill him. But thanks to Reuben, they, they didn't. They just sold him. So we're now going to go to Genesis 37, verse 28. And it says, So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. Jacob was very upset because he was made to believe that Joseph was actually ripped apart by animals, not that they sold him and got rid of him. So at this point of the story, this is the first time where things aren't going very well for Joseph. I mean, he's in a cistern, which, okay, so I keep getting, it's like a holding for water. It's sealed, and it holds water, and it's deep. So he's down in this, and his brothers sell him. You're no longer part of our family, and you're in slavery. So that's a low. And so like your dreams are your favorite, and then you're going being sold away. Um, has anyone ever experienced being like on this really high in your life, and then all of a sudden you're crashing, burning down? I mean, in seconds that's happening. Uh, for us, is it on? For us, uh, this year, for some reason, we had a lot of car problems. I don't, I don't know what was going on. It all started, too. Uh, we were coming back from a 4th of July camping trip up at Bear, and the transmission mm -hmm. went out on the Suburban. Okay, whatever. Got that fixed. It was a lot of money, but it, we got it fixed. The thing ran for like a month, but it <laughs> ran great for a month. Amazing. And then the engine went bad, and it was like, oh, my God. What is going on? You know, this, you just think like, ah, rah. And we also have other vehicles. I have a truck, and I got this awesome little VW Bug. It's my commuter. <laughs> okay? And at one point, we had the Suburban broken, the truck was broken, and the Bug was broken. Like, not moving. We had to borrow my mom's truck just so we could haul the family around. And we are going four wide in the back seat. <sighs> And you couldn't? Kids got close. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was something, you know. A lot of and it, 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 you just got like, I and mean, I'm trying to fix things, and I'm, I'm not really a mechanic, but <laughs> it just kept happening, kept happening, and I'm like, ah! It's frustrating when things aren't going good. Let's let's continue in the story of Joseph. So, as we continue, uh, the story goes on that the Midianites that they got that have Joseph, they sold Joseph to Potiphar, which is an, uh, a guy in Egypt. He's the captain of the guard. He's one of Pharaoh's officials. And we see this in Genesis, Genesis 39, 2 through 6. 
It reads, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And it goes on in five. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. So you have to understand the culture in Egypt back then. There was either poor, poor, or rich, rich. There was no middle class like we have today in our society. Um, so this is one of those times where bad things are happening, but God is using them for the good. To you, it may not seem like it, but he is using that bad for good. So Joseph was a slave, but when his master noticed the Lord being with him and favoring him, he put Joseph in charge of everything, his household, his fields, every little thing, and all that his master did was basically eat. And um, so has anyone experienced more things that are up and then down? Because it's never ending. You're going to be high, and then they're going to be low, and then you go right back up to a high, and then back to a low. So for one of us, for us, the thing was wrestling. It threw us this big old curveball. I was crying about it. I was stressing out about it because we knew what team we wanted to be with. We wanted them to continue with the team that they had started with the previous year. And things were going good. Scheduling was practices Tuesdays and Thursdays. Great, that works for us. Those are amazing days for us to have practice. Well, then we had to change days because of the facility we were at. We were at one of the high schools, and you have to do their schedule. You can't just do whatever you want. You have to listen to what they are giving to you. So it switched to Wednesday nights, which is Bible study, and Fridays, which is we run a couple's Bible study. So it took our Wednesday nights, our Friday nights, and our Sundays here at church. So we prayed about it separately. We prayed about it together. I cried and prayed with pastor about it, freaking out. I talked with a board member about it, like, what should I do? I don't know what to do. I'm being torn in two right now between my family and my church, and I need help. And we kept getting the same conclusion everywhere. Take the time. Take the time. Everyone was telling us. So it just kept being confirmation for us to take this time and focus on our family, our kids, us. And so we dove full in. There was nothing stopping us once we fully got that confirmation. He's coaching. I started help managing the team, so we were just full on in. I started an online store for the whole team, making all of their stuff for them. So it was a wild ride. We didn't miss anything. I think we missed one practice the entire time. We didn't miss a single tournament on a Sunday, which we didn't think we'd make it tall, but we did. And we were very grateful that we had that time. 
So as we continue in the story of Joseph, at this point, um, Joseph is doing, you know, fairly good, all things considered. But he starts to get kind of noticed by Potiphar's wife. And she keeps trying to tempt him. We see this in uh, Genesis 39, verse 11. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties. None of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he, he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Continues in 13. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with, a, with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master came home, she told him her story, and he put Joseph in prison. So he went from just doing what he was doing, you know, and then now he's, he's in prison again. And it's like he's, he's making the best of the situation he has. God's helping him through this. You know, yeah, he, he found favor with Potiphar because of the, um, Potiphar could see that the Lord was with him. And it's like, man, Joseph can't get a break. He can't, he, he can't get a break. And in our own lives, mm-hmm. about a month ago, we go in, in the whole car problems mm-hmm. aspect. We get a, like a month ago, we get a call from pastor and he's like, I'm like, hey, you know, what's up? He's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to tell you this, but your car just got broken into. And I go, what? Mm-hmm. So we had the car that was broken, the Suburban. It was parked down here. And apparently I think it had to be some kids. They felt like the brick wall looked better inside the car. so they threw some bricks through it you know they were using it frustrating I was like really come on we had just the funny thing uh, like the day before we had figured out you know what are we going to do with this car I would go we're going to fix it I'm going to put an engine in it not a not a new new engine but I'm going to do what I can we made room for it because I knew you know me doing it I'm like like I said, I'm not a mechanic. Mm-hmm. So every one hour for a mechanic's like five for me. So I knew it was going to be out of commo- uh, commission for a while. So we, we moved stuff around in the yard. I was like, okay, we're going to park it here by the garage. And then this happens. And, whoa, and then this happens. And uh, it's just another, ah. Uh, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm like, really? They, you know, they rummaged through it and stuff. And it was like, I would have given you the keys. I, it, I was very, like, I don't know, angry, frustrated. Uh, we got to remember that God uses situations for his good. And while Joseph was in prison, the prison warden noticed that the Lord's favor was on him and put him in charge of all the prison and all that was done there. And as it goes on, uh, sometime after him being there, the cupbearer and the baker 
of Pharaoh got thrown in. They did something wrong. They got thrown in to prison where Joseph was. And they, they had some dreams. And uh, they didn't know what these dreams meant. So we see it in uh, Genesis 40. Um, so in Genesis 40, uh, verse 6 through 8, it says, When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house. And why do they look so sad today? And they said, We both had dreams, but there's no one here to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So they go on and tell Joseph their dreams, and Joseph goes on and interprets both of their dreams. And then three days later, they went in front of Pharaoh, and the interpretations that Joseph had given were correct. But the cupbearer did not remember to mention Joseph. One of Joseph's things was, remember me. And the cupbearer did not do that. So two years after that, uh, one day, Pharaoh has a dream that needs interpreted. And so he sent all these magicians and all the wise men to Egypt and told them his dreams, but nobody could interpret them. Well, who's going to interpret these for him then? So the, cuff cheap, the chief cupbearer finally remembered, oh yeah, um, I have shortcomings, and there's this guy named Joseph in prison. He interpreted my dreams and it goes on in Genesis 41, verse 15 through 16, saying, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph said, but God, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream, and Ju Joseph interprets for him that God has already shown you in your dream what is going to happen. So God was telling Pharaoh that in the dream, you're going to have seven years of abundance in your land of Egypt, and then following those seven years, you're going to have seven years of famine to follow. And so they didn't know what to do. Like, what are we supposed to do with these seven years of good and seven years of bad? So Joseph had an idea, and Pharaoh liked it, and he said, okay, you get to do it. You know, so for those seven years of abundance, Joseph was in charge of collecting and storing one-fifth of all the grain that they had grown so that they would have a storage pile for the seven years of famine. In, in our own lives, in this craziness, these couple months, there was ups and downs, and God just remained to be good. I mean, he, he took situations like the car being broken into, and he turned it, what, it all worked out is what I'm saying is, you know, we, we did end up purchasing a new to us car. 
something that's reliable, something that, you know, I don't have to worry when we get on the road if uh, we're going to make it home. So that, that was really great. Um, and in that, too, God kind of showed me, hey, this car's not worth saving. Sometimes you got to, because I, I was, you know, what's the right move here? I was praying a lot and trying to see, you know, do I just keep putting money into this thing or do we let it go? And that was kind of that last, you know, windows getting broken into. It ended up getting like a bunch of mold in it too. It was, it was really bad. So, but, you know, we had insurance and everything worked out. You can look at it in the same way in the story of Joseph that if he had never been in prison, he would have never met the cupbearer. And the cupbearer never would have told Pharaoh about him. God's constantly taking bad situations and turning them for his good. You know, now in the story, we're, we're at the part where the seven years of abundance um, has ended. And we're into that sev- seven years of famine. And people are having a hard time. Your food is scarce. And a lot of people were going to Joseph to buy food because he was in charge of all that. And with that, obviously his family, Joseph's family, is also going through this hardship of they need food or they're going to starve. And so his brothers go to Egypt where they can go and buy the grain. And they arrive, bow down to him with their faces in the ground to where they didn't even realize they were in front of their brother that they had sold. So, and Joseph obviously knew who his brothers were seeing them. So he spoke harshly to them and accused them of being spies. Um, They explained that they were 12 brothers. They left their youngest with their dad back home and that one was no more. They had to prove that they were not spies by leaving one of their brothers, Simon, in prison and then going home and returning with their brother that they had left behind. Um, so then they did that and there was, like, they made it look like they, they took silver and then they felt really weird, like, why do we have our silver? We shouldn't have it. We paid for this grain. They took it home to dad. Dad was mad that you, why do you have your silver and you have grain? You shouldn't have both. And they told their dad, well, when we return, we have to take Benjamin back with us. Dad was not happy. He wanted Benjamin to stay. Um, So they ended up taking Benjamin back to Egypt the next time they had to go back and double the amount of silver to pay back what they thought they had originally paid, but Joseph gave them. Um, Once they told Joseph that if we return back to our father without Benjamin, then our dad is sure to die. They just knew that it would completely break their dad. They've already lost one son. Now they're gonna, he's going to lose another. It, it's going to break him. And so once knowing this and seeing how serious his brothers were about this, he couldn't hold it in any longer. He told them, well, I'm your brother that you sold, basically. I'm using my own words. Okay. Um, he explained that God sent me here to Egypt to save these lives. It wasn't you 
selling me to slavery. Yes, you sold me, but it was for God's purpose why I ended up being sold into slavery. He explained that God made him father of Pharaoh, lord of his household, and the ruler of all of Egypt. He told them to hurry back to father and tell them that Joseph has been made the lord of all of Egypt and to go to him to bring your children, your grandchildren, your flocks, everything you own, bring back to Egypt to me. And so they all started hugging and crying and weeping together. And then Joseph sent his brothers with provisions and wagons to retrieve their father and bring him to Egypt. So they went back, told dad everything, and dad was convinced. And he said, I want to go see him before I die. Hmm. That's uh, a collage of different pictures of uh, different people from wrestling and the boys and us and the boys and the friends that they made. And taking this time to focus on our family, there's been Um, taking this time to focus on our family, there was numerous benefits that only God could have foreseen. Just in the wrestling aspect, I mean, the kids pushed themselves pretty hard. I think that says, hey, mute your GR55, or the pedal, it's like uh, buzzing. Um, just the kids pushing themselves to new limits. The sport, they're learning so much more about them as people than just wrestling. You know, we got to go to state this year and uh, that, was, that was pretty special. You know, the fact that both the kids made it and you know, it's the best, all the best kids in California and uh, John plays fourth, you know, in his weight class. Pretty proud. Um, so the kids grew these amazing friendships. I mean, you see all the smiles on their face. John grew this amazing bond with the head coach. As you can see, he's holding John after at state one of his toughest, toughest matches. To where John's on that mat screaming his head off. Like, we've never heard him scream the way he screamed. And it, he, his body was just done. And his coach just picked him up and held him. You know, like, our kids grew these amazing, amazing friendships. And I can't look over there because we grew some amazing, I don't know what I would do without K-12.
Kaylin and Katie and their spouses. I, I needed to get those friendships out of this. God showed us so many different ways that like this is what we needed. We need these people in our lives. I would not change anything that we went through, all those ups, those downs, if I could. I would make it all happen all over again a hundred times. To have these people in our lives and in my kids' lives because they're our family, just like you guys are our family. Their kids are my kids. I just love every aspect of this. And the amazing thing is, through all this, we got to show God's love and God's light in a place that a lot of families may not even see it because it's such an intense sport. So much is going on. And on Sundays, you're at that tournament, and a lot of them, the last thing they're thinking of is God. You know, it's so like we get to be there and be that light for people. I mean, it's, we don't show up to things like, hey, I'm a pastor, look over here, look at me, I'm a pastor. Like, not many people knew. But by the end, I think our whole team ended up knowing that we were pastors. And I had so many talks with different parents on the team, and it just helped them grow. And they just felt so comfortable with us talking about situations that were happening in that they're like, well, I would never have talked to anybody about this stuff, but why am I talking to you? And I just think God put us there and on that team and in their lives for a purpose. And we needed to listen and slow down and take this time to do God's work. You know, it, uh, this, this season was special in the fact that uh, we did wrestling last year. And the difference was Anna still, she was still here. She only went to, I don't know, three or four tournaments, you know. So it was mainly me taking the boys. Um, and the difference this year, we were together. And it brought her relationship. brought our relationship so much closer. You know, having that person, uh, the way a Sunday wrestling tournament goes, you gotta be kind of crazy. It's really hectic. It's not easy when you have two littles that aren't wrestling, because you end up carrying them from room to room everywhere. You know, they're tired. And to have that person there with me the whole time, it was just really special. And uh, it wasn't just our relationship as a family. We never stopped. We didn't put God to the side just because we didn't come to church. We were still frequently having Bible studies at home with the kids. We still had our version of Sunday church. We, we, God was very much there. One thing I definitely noticed was John. We always pray, right? And I'm, we made it a point to all the kids being comfortable with prayer. I, th I think I didn't have that as a kid. So it's very important for us, for them to understand prayer. And it's kind of been, the kids are very involved in prayer. 
And before bed, you know, we, we all pray. But I, I noticed in John, especially now, he used to, when I say, hey guys, you know, um, maybe we all get in the car. Does anybody just want to pray for our trip? John was never one. It was mainly James. He is the oldest. He would say, oh, I'll pray. But I noticed John just really wanting to pray. And that was so cool. And it's so sweet to see how your kids pray and their hearts. And how they think, you know, you. They can be so sweet. In fact, the other night, it's funny because we all pray, you know, we all take our turns. James usually goes, and John, then uh, Matthew now, and then Dad closes us out. Well, <laughs> Paul was having a hissy fit for like, what is his deal? <laughs> well, he got mad at us because we didn't give him a turn. I didn't think that he wanted to pray. We, you know, he's two years old. But he, he full on had a fit because he wanted to pray and we didn't give him a turn. So not that Paul knows what it is at that age, but he wants to do it because the brothers are doing it, you know? And that's just so special. Our family during this time, it I could see James and John, I feel like they got even closer. Now don't get me wrong, those kids fight. Oh, yeah. All of them fight so much. But there's like this weird relationship now with them, you know, and they're, they're only two years apart and it's kind of brought them closer and the littles are growing up and they're, they're learning to talk and <laughs> there's so many good times. I, I just, I'm so thankful for what God has done in our lives. And I look forward to see where it's going to take us. So in this story, we saw the ups, the downs. We told you our ups and our downs. You're going to have those in your life. You're going to think, the world is ending. What do I do? Where is God? Why is he not here right now? I need him right this second to do this, just the way I said it. Well, that's not how it works. It's all in God's timing for God's glory. And through all of it, the most important thing through your ups and downs is your foundation that you have with God. You need that foundation to keep you strong in all the highs and lows. And so don't lose hope and don't forget who God truly is in our lives. And I'll close this out with prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this message. Father, I pray that as we leave here today, that we, we go downstairs, we have a meal with each other, we, we just really come together as a family. I pray, Lord, that we don't waste this day because it really is a gift. I pray, Father, that... Uh, no matter what's going on in our lives, whether we're on an uphill or we're coming on a downhill, 
I pray, Lord, that we remain, we remain, we stand firm, Lord, because you are good. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you, Father, for what's happening in this church. And I pray that as a family, we all come together and we keep you at the top. You're first, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And we just be with everybody as they leave here and watch over them and protect them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. Uh, thank you. Uh, please come downstairs. Join us for soups and salads. Sandwich Sunday. It's always fun. I bet you those kids are uh, wild, running around. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you Wednesday.